here. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 in the Word of God together this morning. Let me invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning if you're able. (coughs) And in 1 John chapter 1, the Bible says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness." And show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, And declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. Let us pray. Lord, I ask today that you would open the eyes of our spiritual understanding. Lord, bless the great truth contained in this passage to every heart. Fill me now with thy Holy Spirit as we come into thy presence. For this we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Last night we had a good number of of, uh, folks that gathered together at our house. Lots of family. It was a blessing to have um, three of my grandsons there, and and they were enjoying the evening, to be sure. As the evening wore along, it was time for Chase and Rachel to go home. And uh, I was just helping to pick things up and help uh, get things put back into order uh, for Mama. And uh, I went into the bedroom, and I was picking up a few toys and straightening a few things, and and uh, I just, I heard something, I thought it was all the revelry going on out in the front room. And I kind of looked around and I didn't see anything. I looked in the closet, looked in the, in the, in the master bathroom and looked in even in the bathtub because you never know where uh, one of those kids is going to be laying. And, and uh, any, anyway, I, I, I thought, well, you know, I'm just, it, it just the people out in the front room and so I, I walked out to another room and, and Linda went into our room and I heard her from the hallway saying, Cole, <laughs> are you hiding from mommy? And, uh, and sure enough, he was sitting behind the chair in our room on the floor trying to be still and quiet because he wasn't ready to go home yet. And, uh, 
And he, he told Aunt Becky that he wanted to stay at Nan and Granddad's house forever. And, uh, and that'd probably be okay with us, you know? And, and how many grandparents? That'd probably be okay with you too. And, and, uh, so if it's okay with you, we'll be bringing coal over. <laughs> no, it, it was a blessing. But, you know, I, I had the sense that someone was there. I looked around, I didn't see them, and so I just dismissed that as no one was there. You know, every once in a while we think about the presence of the Lord and we come into a situation where we sense that maybe He's there and we kind of look around a little bit and, and we go our way and we, we leave Him in the other room. I recognize as I contemplated this theme for this year that the Lord God has said in Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So guess what? He's with me always. And the Bible reveals to us that He dwells within us. And, and the Holy Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of Jesus Himself, takes up residency within this temple, which is our body. And, and so He's there living out His divine life or desiring to do so through us. And so He is ever-present with us. And yet, despite that fact, there are very few that experience the presence of the Lord. As a young boy growing up, I can remember many times going to church with my father and attending prayer meetings at the church and men would be assembled at the front of the auditorium and pouring out their hearts to the Lord. And so often I, I had a palpable sense that something that I had never experienced before was going on. Men were crying and that was something that as a boy was an unusual thing for me to witness. And there were times where I felt like maybe the Lord was here, maybe there were angels, and I can remember times where I peeked just to see because I sensed that there was something supernatural going on in the midst. And I'm not talking about some charismatic apparition. I'm talking about there was a, a real spiritual and even a palpable physical sense that there was someone there. And yet, how often do we go throughout the days of our lives and we never really sincerely experience the presence of the Lord? And today I want to share some thoughts with you out of 1 John, written by a disciple which was known as one of the sons of thunder. As a son of thunder. There's a lot that could be said about that, but one of the things that we find from church, early church writings is the fact that he was a very resolute man. And even though we see him as a tender-hearted person leaning upon Jesus' breast in the upper room, and, and that disciple whom Jesus loved, it was black and it was white. It was goodness and it was light. It was, it was darkness and light. It was good and it was evil and that's the way he was wired and he wanted to know it and he wanted to know it now. That was John. And so 
He was emphatic and he was determined. He was entirely convinced after a careful study that Jesus was absolutely everything that he claimed to be. And as through the ministry of Jesus, John beheld the Lord, he he loved him. Not only, my friends, was he that disciple whom Jesus loved, he was that disciple whom loved Jesus. It's interesting when you consider the fact that when Jesus announced to the disciples that there would be one of their number that would betray Him, that all of them said, Lord, is it I? The only one we have no record of asking that question was John. Out of the depth of His love, He knew that He would give His very life before betraying His Savior. As he continued to look on the divine life of God being lived out before him in Jesus, he embraced it in a physical presence. And later, with the arms of faith, he was grateful to give the testimony that he was with God in physical presence. It quieted the naysayers that tried to dismiss it as a wives' fable or something made up. And my friends, you and I need to be grateful for that presence as well. And today I want you to see that we have a presence to embrace. God is in me. Is He in you? Is He? If you know the Lord as Savior, at that very instant that you trusted Him, He came to live within you. Is He omnipresent? Yes, if He's God and He is and He's omnipresent, you know what that means? That not only is He inside of me, but He's all around me. And do you know what? Is He with you? Yes, He's with you. He said, Lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the world. The fact is, my friends, that He has made a commitment to be in presence with you, and yet sometimes we put Him behind the chair in the corner of the room and we go in and we are barely aware that He is there. We do not intentionally come into His presence as often as He would crave for us to do so, to experience Him. God is not just a concept that we are to embrace. He's a person that we are to love into whose presence we can enter. Praise the Lord that the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28, uh, chapter 18 verse 23, that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And so today we can safely, on the authority of God's word, ascertain that God is here in presence with us. And yet, I I wonder how many times, knowing that truth, we come into the house of the Lord with the vivid awareness that God will be here. And how does that reality affect our worship experience? I'm not talking about the 
the, the room, the temperature, the, uh, the, the lighting of the room. I'm not talking about that kind of an experience. I'm talking about how you relate to the person and the work of God and that dynamic in your own life. What I've discovered is that there are a lot of folks that come into the house of the Lord because they want to check the spiritual box and they never experience Him in presence. I realize that God is light. He's the light of the world. He lives within me. And so I'm in the light, but the fact is, I have to conscientiously choose to walk in the light. God said, you are the light of the world. But I have to choose to let that light shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So look, I am in His presence, but friends, just like I have to choose to let the light shine, and, 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 and just like there are choices to be made, I have to choose to live with the consciousness that I am in the very presence of God. And I, I pray that that will come through the next few moments together. I want you to know that this presence to embrace provides us, first of all, the basis of our faith. The basis of our faith. May we look at this together? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with, and our hands have handled the word of life. Understand this. Jesus is the word And He is the Word of life. You see, the basis of our faith is the conviction that Jesus is God in the flesh. And John, who wrote these words in his first epistle, also wrote that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so, what we discern here is that He came to the conviction that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We have no faith in God unless we believe that Jesus is indeed God manifested in human form. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6 that he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. For without faith it is impossible to please him. So what we recognize is that we're never going to have faith at all unless we can get over that first hurdle, the belief that there is a God And He has revealed Himself to us in the form of Jesus. On Wednesday night we talked about the Lord calling Moses aside at the burning bush. And uh, later on we we read of where that um, the Lord met Moses on Mount Sinai. uh, But there at, at the burning bush we discover that Moses hid his face from the Lord because he knew that no man could look upon God and live. But had he looked, do you know what Moses would have seen? He would have seen Jesus. The image of the invisible God. 
That's who he would have seen. It was a Christophany, a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. And so what we find is that John came to the conviction that Jesus was God in the flesh. And that belief is the foundation for everything in our faith. That God is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And it is the foundation of the living Word of God itself. That is the basis for our faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.17, or in Romans 10.17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So there is no faith, my friend, apart from the revealed Word of God. This week, Pastor Eckleberry called me and we were talking about uh, the passage in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And I want to tell you something that reveals a profound truth. That apart from Him... We do not even have the faith to believe Him. We didn't come to God because we were so faith-filled and we loved Him so much and so many people want to try to assert. The fact of the matter is this, that we were woefully undone. You can read a narrative on your life before Christ in Romans chapter 3 and when you read it, you aren't going to like it. But it's the truth of who we are outside of Jesus. And so... Today we realize that He gives us the very faith to believe Him. And you know what? The foundation of that is the Word of God. So it is the basis of our faith. And what did He do? He embraced that truth. He's the way, John wrote in John 14. He's the truth. And you know what? He loved it so much that in that upper room, He got next to Jesus and without any embarrassment or compunction, he laid his head on Jesus' breast. I have no doubt that there would have been times he wanted to just embrace him as an affirming way to let him know what he already knew. I love you. Notice this presence is that we can embrace Jesus as the living Word is the basis for our fellowship. And this is something that I think we all need to understand. And I, I, there's, there's more that I want to say about this that I will in time to come, but I want to tell you that the Bible reveals that in verse 2, the life was manifested and we have seen it. Now, there were those that were doubters. And I want to just mention to you that in verse number 1, the Bible says here, that we have seen it with our eyes and we've looked upon it. That's not a redundancy. Oh, you saw it and then you looked at it? <laughs> you know, that, that, it's kind of like uh, a, a Kamala Harris speech, isn't it? <laughs> a little redundancy there. Uh, but uh, anyhow, it wasn't a redundancy. Two different words, two different meanings. One is, we have seen it, okay? And the second was what? We have looked upon it, and it is the same word in John 1, 14, where he said, we beheld his glory. And what it means is they were fixated with, they beheld him, they gazed upon him, they studied him. 
So it wasn't just we, we saw him. Yeah, he was here. And uh, no, no doubt about that. We took attendance. He was here. He was here on earth at that time that we lived. No, they beheld him. They looked upon him. And you know what? That became the basis of their fellowship. The belief that this is God in the flesh. And it says in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto that ye also may have fellowship with us. You know what he's saying? So that you believe what we believe. It's not just so you love the memory of it. No, it's a shared faith in a living Lord that establishes mutual fellowship. I can go out and I can have lunch with folks and I can enjoy uh, talking to them, but it doesn't rise to the level of what koinonia indicates, a fellowship that is deeper than a, a surface level, you see. How is that possible? Because we have a shared belief in a living Lord. And so that begins with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Amen? And there, there are three tests of fellowship. It should be easy for you to remember. All right, The basis of our fellowship with God and the basis for our fellowship with our brothers and sisters in the Lord is, is threefold. Number one, it, it is the gospel of Jesus. That is the good news. Number two, it is the word of God. That is the good book okay and that's the foundation upon which we meet and number three it is the truth that is good doctrine this is where the postmodern church age in which we live gets all confounded and twisted up because they say things that sound really touchy-feely and make us feel good and want to go home and look at kittens on the internet. Uh, but the fact of the matter is it doesn't have any foundation in the truth. So the threefold test of fellowship with God and with each other is number one, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, whereby we're saved. It is number two, the word of God, the good book, and number three, good doctrine. And there have been many movements that have gathered hundreds of thousands of people from sea to shining sea. And the one thing that they want to do in order to get a crowd of people together, because it's hard to get any two people to agree on any one thing, isn't it? And so what they want to do is they want to lay aside things they disagree on. So they just line out letter C. We don't, we're not going to focus on doctrine at all because we don't want anything to divide us. Well, listen, you can't touch Jesus without touching doctrine. You know why? He's the Word. Where do we get doctrine? From the Word. And who gives you the authority to say, we're going to just do away with parts of Jesus? Who under heaven, gave you permission to subvert God. Now, it might sound really good to say, well, why can't we all just get along? Let's hold hands and sing kumbaya and have fellowship together. But the foundation for our fellowship, the basis for our fellowship, is the good news and the good book and good doctrine. It's not just that you have a Bible. It's what you believe that's found in that Bible. And there are some cardinal things that we have to hold to, apart which from which we would never be saved. So we see that that Jesus, the Word of life, 
is the basis of our faith. He's the basis of our fellowship with Him and with others. But I like this because it says in verse number 3, look at this quickly, it says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Okay, And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So you see the twofold aspect of fellowship. We're going to have fellowship as brethren and there's fellowship with God. Do you see that? And so this is the basis for that. Because look... The gospel reveals to me, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I have been made nigh, Ephesians chapter 2, through the blood of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that made fellowship with God possible, and it is the common ground at the foot of the cross that draws me into fellowship with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. But notice here in verse number 4, these things write we unto you that your joy, what? May be full. Maybe full. So we see the basis of our fullness. What is that basis? Well, I want to tell you. The eternally pre-existent, omnipotent God invites you into a friendship with Him. The eternally pre-existent, omnipotent God invites you into a friendship with Him. The one that wrote this epistle wrote John chapter 15. He said, Henceforth I call you not servants, For the servant knoweth not what his master doeth. Henceforth I have called you friends, he said. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He invites you into a friendship that's characterized by fellowship. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes when I get together with with old friends, and we get to catching up and cutting up, uh, there's just spontaneous laughter. There's just a joy. There's just something effervescing uh, within us that, that our spirits are bearing witness and we enjoy one another's company to the fullest. Uh, the other day, uh, so, several months ago actually, uh, my brother Stephen was in town and he had a video on his phone. And it was a video that he saved from a time where uh, he and I were together with my brother Paul in Colorado and we got, we got my granddad's truck stuck in the mud. It was my dad's then, and, uh, and we were trying to get the hubs locked on the four-wheel drive to get out of the mud. And uh, we, we were struggling, and, and before the whole thing was over with, all three of us were covered in mud from head to toe. And um, it was a simple thing, really. We, we, we had shovels, we were trying to find rocks and, and everything, and, uh, and, and it was just a simple... <laughs> switch it had to be flipped and 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 it took us two or three hours and and you know what we laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and that was such a joyful moment in his life he videotaped that and now it was maybe 10 years later 15 years later he's still showing it to folks because that was one of the moments where he experienced something in its fullness and he never wanted to lose it didn't want to lose it. I'm afraid to tell you that there have been many moments where I've perhaps experienced God in His fullness. But I've kind of lost it. And He wants that joy, according to John chapter 15, to remain in us. And just as God will remain in us and with us, we can remain in the presence experiencing Him 
in His fullness day after day after day. Some of you are students of missiology and you've read the life story of the missionary to Africa named David Livingston. And he left London, England, and he went into Africa, and he started up the Nile River, and he wanted to find out the original source of the Nile. And somewhere along the way, he lost touch with anyone that knew him. And 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 there were those that wondered if he were even alive. And so uh, there were those in England that hired an explorer to go explore along the route of the Nile River to see if he could find David Livingston. And the story is told that when he came upon him, he was taken up with the fact that here was an older missionary who was very famous and had means in his country, but was living in a hut and living in humble means and endeavoring to do everything that the Word of God commanded. That man, that explorer, stayed with him for seven months there in Africa and was at his side every day. That explorer was an atheist who did not believe in the existence of God and made a mockery of Christianity. And he expected to find a sham of a man and a ministry there and was impressed that it was something sincere. As he wrote in his memoirs later, he, every day he shadowed David Livingston and he said, that man had something I didn't have. And it seemed like he lived in the presence of God itself. And what I saw him experience changed me. Because I realized that there is a God and He was alive in this man. And I needed it too. I wonder if He would have been like many of us, just in and out of the presence of the Lord, spasmodic experiences with God, if anyone around us would ever be converted. But understand this, not only is He inviting you into a a friendship with Himself, He desires to have fellowship with you. He wants you to enjoy His presence. I'm going to tell you, I've been preaching the Word of God all my life. Since I was a young boy, I, I was on a preaching schedule to preach in nursing homes as a little boy. And I'd go with our youth group and I'd be on a, on a rotation about once every four or five weeks. I can remember as a teenage boy uh, preaching in youth meetings in, in Korea in churches that my father had started over there and, and sitting down with my uh, language instructor and writing out manuscripts in the Korean language to preach to teenagers when I was just 15 and 16 years of age. And then coming home and at the age of 18 preaching to several hundred people every week. More than I preach to now uh, if we don't count the internet. And the fact is that um, As I look back over the course of my ministry, I have no doubt that there are many times where I had an outline, I had a text, I had an idea, I thought about and studied it, and I stood up there and I delivered it, and it it just dropped. Why? It wasn't in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
wasn't delivered with the awareness of God's presence. It was with the mindfulness that people were present and I wanted them to like what was being said. I suppose every preacher over the course of his experience has had moments like that. Recently in my studies for this uh, year and our theme, preparing sermons, even for months down the road, I read where that Moses said, God, if you're not going to go with me to the promised land, I don't even want to go. I don't want to go anywhere that you're not. And I want to tell you something. God is leading me to a place where I don't want to go anywhere without His presence. And I'm not talking, He'll be with me, I know. I'll be in His presence, I know. But I don't want to be there totally oblivious to it. That's what I'm talking about. And I want to experience Him in His fullness. And what He said was this. Look in verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we undo that ye also may have fellowship with us. What is He saying? Listen, this is what our personal experience is. This is my testimony with Jesus. Do you have a testimony Do you have something that you can share with others about how God has so fulfilled your life and blessed you with peace and joy and happiness that nothing in this world could ever replace it with? Listen, I'm saying He had that testimony. He was the one that leaned on Jesus' breast. He was the one that called Himself that disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the one that was the only one of the twelve at Calvary. He was the one that Jesus so loved and trusted that He said, John, behold uh, thy mother, and, and woman, behold thy son. And Jesus entrusted the care of Mary to, to John, that disciple whom He loved. There was something that was transcendent about the relationship that they had and my friend I ask you today with all sincerity what is there about your relationship with God that to you and your spirit is transcendent it rises above every other joy every other thing that you count as fulfilling in your life it is eclipsed by the fullness of God and his presence in your life It is our personal testimony. It is what we have seen and heard. It is what we have personally experienced. When they commanded during the first persecution in Jerusalem, the rulers of the Jews brought the apostles in and commanded that they should not teach and preach in Jesus' name. And they said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so they did. They gave their testimony. It is the basis of our faith the word of life. It is the basis of our fellowship and our fullness. It is the basis of our following. Jesus, Jesus called these men to follow Him, and so they did. They confirmed that the one that they beheld was the Holy God, and in Him is no darkness at all. And they made a commitment to walk in the light. You know what that really is? It's a choice to live in the fear of God. And a lot of people are afraid to use that terminology, though it's a great Bible term. 
the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean I cower before God. It does not mean I am afraid of God. What it means is that I stand in awe of His power, of His purity, of His person, and of His presence. I do not take it for granted, and I do not come into the presence of the Holy One glibly or idly. I'm conscientious of the fact that He is light. He is all goodness. He is all holiness. He is all truth. And in Him is no darkness at all. I'm going to tell you something. There are many things uh, that you can study in science, but when you do a study of light, one of the things that you'll discover is that there are things that light can shine upon that degrade. But light can never be degraded. Let me say that again. Light can never be degraded. That darkness can't stand against the light. There are things that may seek to stifle the light, but the light itself can never be degraded. There may be murky waters that when a light is shown in them, uh, the the light uh, maybe doesn't reach uh, as far, but the light is not degraded. The light itself is just as bright. It is what it is shining upon that is degraded. You see that? And you know what? The light of God shines on our lives. And He is always holy. And do you know what it reveals? We are not. <laughs> and we must make a commitment to walk in the fear of the Lord. That is to walk in the light, it says. If we walk in the light as He is in the light. You say, look, I'm already in the light. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm in Him. I understand that. But then the Bible commands us to walk as children of light. So, I mean, if it's, if it's a de facto walk, it's a redundancy to have it in the Bible. There's a choice that must be made to walk as a child of the light. And what it means is that when I'm in His presence and I'm aware and mindful of the fact that He is holy, it changes the way that I choose to live my life. I've told you this story, but sometime back I went to visit someone that had visited our church and filled out a card said that they wanted to know more about Freeway Baptist Church. So I went to their home. And when I got there, they were in their driveway and uh there there was some stuff they were working on in the in the driveway and in the garage and there was a, a guy standing there he didn't see me coming up the walk at first and uh he was uh holding a, a budweiser in his hand as I walked up the walk and when he noticed I was coming and realized who I was he did this and he backed up to the hedges and he dropped that beer into the hedge (laughs) and said hey pastor how's it going you know why he said you know that's the pastor I probably had not to be drinking a beer while he's standing in my driveway talking to me and you know what I'm nobody and I'm nothing but how glibly and idly do we bring the unholy into the presence of the holy one without ever giving it a thought 
If we were to get in your car today and, and you were going to drive us to lunch, I wonder if all the presets on your radio or the music you're listening to is something that would be well-pleasing to the Lord or because there was someone of faith there that you had some modicum of respect for uh, was there. You, you might not choose those songs. You try to pass off that, oh, I can't find Caleb. I listen to that all the time, but I can't get it on my radio right now. You know, yeah, right. And I'm nothing and no one. And folks sometimes want to modify the way they choose to live their life when I come to visit. You don't have to have a double standard with me, folks. God loves you from where you are to where He wants you to be. And He wants you to keep coming into His presence. But He wants you to more and more be mindful of the fact that God is light, He's true, He's holy, He's pure. And in Him is no darkness at all. And the more I choose to walk in the light, the more I'm choosing to walk apart from all that is dark, apart from all that is sinful. It is a choice to walk in light with the holy God. In the fear of the Lord. Which means that I am living with the consciousness that God is in me. And that God is with me. And that God is all around me. And I'm aware of it. And I'm aware of it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. I hope you get the idea that I'm excited about this. Do you? I, and I, I want to I sort of somehow get the idea that you are too. <laughs> you might haul off and just say amen right out loud in church. Maybe you're embarrassed to do that. You can just write it on a piece of paper and then your neighbor can underline it. Okay. Listen. Why follow Jesus? Because He's holy. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. There's no hope outside of that life. There's absolutely no hope. You remember when in John chapter 6, Jesus turned to the disciples and said, after 25,000 people had walked away from Jesus, He turned around to the twelve and said, will ye also go away? And here was Peter, and he said something wise. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Nobody else has the answer. There's no hope in anyone else. And so, my friend, they decided to follow Jesus. Now I want you to see this lastly. This is the basis of our forgiveness. Not just our faith and our fellowship, our fullness and our following, but our forgiveness. The Bible says in verse 6, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, what? Cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. The basis of our forgiveness is wrapped up in the Word of life. We must, number one, acknowledge our sinfulness before God. That's what it teaches. If we don't, we're deceiving ourselves and we're lying to God and calling Him a liar. Number two, we must believe that the Lord Jesus is the only Savior from sin because you can't do it. You cannot save yourself from sin. Folks, you can't even stay on a diet. What makes you think you can keep from sinning from here to heaven? 
I can't do it. Can you? Come on now. Right? Try to go, try to go about seven days without, without a cell phone or the internet. See how you, see how you fare. You can't even do that. You think you're going to stay perfect from here to heaven? Because that's what's required. Not try your hardest to do your best. Perfection. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is that in Him, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And so guess what? There's no darkness in heaven. He doesn't allow it there. And we must by faith receive the forgiveness in life that can only be given by God. And so when we confess our sinfulness to God, we confess our sin. He is faithful and just. And a lot of folks say, well, that's talking about our fellowship. Well, that establishes the fellowship. Okay. But you know, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And to cleanse us from how many? All our sin. And by the way, let me, let me just say this to you. How many of you have had seasons of time in your life like me where you've committed so many sins you forgot some of them and you couldn't even name them to confess them if you had to? Okay? We, it, this is really a filthy crowd. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Look, we've all been there. So you know what? Pe- people get clever. Try, try to get clever with God and say... God, if we've done anything to offend you, <laughs> what do you mean if? You just lied right there. That's offensive. Right? So God, if we've done anything to offend you, would you please forgive us? Oh, shut up. Oh, whoops, there I go. There's another one to confess. And if I don't, I'm in trouble, aren't I? No. You know, listen, where was your forgiveness purchased? At the cross. And how many of your sins did He pay for at the cross? All of them. And when He did so, He said, it's finished. So we don't... Listen, your salvation and your forgiveness does not rest upon your ability to remember everything that you've ever done and one by one confess to God so that He'll let you off the hook. Every one of your sins and mine was adjudicated at Calvary. It was laid upon Jesus. He bore the guilt for your sin. He paid the guilt, guilty man's price in full in his own body on the cross and with his shed blood. And he now offers you forgiveness based upon the price for your sin, all sin being paid in full. So that if you come to Him in faith believing, He doesn't treat you as if you've never sinned. He declares you on the basis of the righteousness of God, not guilty. Not guilty. Amen? This whole idea of, well, it's just as if I'd never sinned. The Bible doesn't say that. We made that up. Right? Because that's how we are. We, we want to reserve the right to hold stuff against people. The fact of the matter is, that's not how God is. He said, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to make you a partaker of this new covenant. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Amen. 
Praise God forevermore. That's the basis for our forgiveness. And it's found in Jesus, the Word of life. And you know what? He's right here right now. He's right here within me. And you know what? I kind of love the fact that He's forgiven me of all my sin. I think I'll hold on to it. I want to embrace it. I don't want to let it go. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to let it go. Get carried down the primrose path of cultism and works-based salvation. Hold on to it. You know what? And even if you turn loose of it, He's never going to let you go. Because He's always faithful. And you know what? The faithful one is right here. And He is introducing Himself to you right here. And He's leading you in the way of life right here. Hold on to it. Embrace it. Live with it. A presence, not just in the wild blue yonder, but that I can embrace right here, right now. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this time. Thank You, Lord, for the great truth of Scripture. Lord, help us never to take for granted that You are calling us into Your presence. And Lord, I pray that we would be conscientious of it. And may it affect the choices that we make. May it affect the lives that we lead. Help us. Our heads are bowed for just a moment. Today, (coughs) I've talked about the Word of Life. That's Jesus. And my friends, if you're in this room today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you of every sin so that you can be sure that heaven is yours forever, then you're not saved. And you have no hope. The only hope that you have is to come to the living Word, the Lord Jesus Himself, and receive the forgiveness that He purchased with blood. And today, if you have never done that, but you're concerned about it, you'd say, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure if I died right now that I would go to heaven to be with the Lord. I'm not sure that all my sins are forgiven, but I am concerned about that. If that's you today, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, I wonder if while no one is looking, you just slip your hand up. Just put it up and write back down. Just say, Pastor, pray for me. Just put it up and write back down. I'll see where you are and pray for you. Is there one? Pray for me, Pastor. And maybe you would say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I'm sure that I'm on my way to heaven. But I haven't really been living with the awareness of His presence. And God is dealing with me about that. And I want to. And if that's a desire of your heart today, I wonder as a testimony of that, if you would just lift your hand and say, pray for me. God bless you and you and you. God bless you and you and you and you and you and you. And God bless you. I want to live with the awareness of God's presence. I want that to change the way that I choose to live my life. 
mindful that He's right here in me. He's around me. He's with me. Listening. Discerning. Watching. I want to live in the presence of the Holy One. I want that to change my life. And I want to embrace the Word that teaches me how to live. I'm going to invite you, if you have your head bowed and your eyes closed, you just stand to your feet if you're able. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn. And when we do, if God is dealing with your heart, if you're not sure that you're on your way to heaven, I want to invite you to come and let me have someone show you from an open Bible how that you can be sure of heaven. Maybe... Believer, friend, you want to just kneel down and say, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to remember those times where I was really mindful of your presence and it changed things for me. And I don't want to have to think back that far. I want it to be a part of my life going forward every day. And maybe you want to make that commitment to spend time in his presence every day this year. If God is dealing with you, We invite you to respond, Lord, I pray that you'd work in every heart in these next few moments. Have your will and way, we pray.